Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Busy week as we continue to prepare for Monday night football between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. No Arrowhead Pride editor show coming off of a bye week, but we still got plenty to get you caught up on this week. We'll start things off with the Out of Structure podcast. Discussing how the Chiefs continued to win even on their bye. After that, it's the Great British Chiefs show diving into our first full-length Eagles preview. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast, just offering up some of their second-half Chiefs predictions and what they'd like to see coming out of the bye week. Then we'll wrap things up with Show and BK, discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Monday night to make sure they get a win against the Eagles. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. We just watched the uh, the Bills somehow blow that game uh, last second to the Broncos at home, falling to five and five. I mean, I don't know, Stag. I think I think we're we're sitting here on a victory Tuesday. Yeah, not losing sometimes is a victory, and and we'll 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 take that uh, having not played and not lost, and uh, watching the Bills find a new way to lose in the last seconds of a game, and that was you know that wasn't thirteen seconds, but it was still impressive uh they go from 13 seconds to 12 men i wonder what's next well i mean that's that's the thing uh you know i think ever since that 13 seconds they have been a broken team in those last second situations and so i think the chiefs really uh, did a number on 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 buffalo um you know kind of kind of you know uh killing that momentum they had that one season um, but the bills weren't the only team that blew it though stags i mean we we saw the ravens blow at 31 17 lead at home to Cleveland and, and lost that game. We saw the Bengals, uh, Tyler Boyd, you know, he, he's someone that, that likes to talk, you know, he dropped the touchdown pass that could have put them above, uh, you know, ahead in Houston uh, or against Houston ended up uh, giving Houston a chance to win on a last second field goal. Bengals aren't even in the playoff picture as of right now. Um, We saw the Jaguars lose to the 49ers at home, 34 to three, just got curb stomped. I mean, and the Chargers lost. I mean, it was it was it was all up for for the Chiefs this weekend. I don't know. Was there uh you know any uh any any most surprising loss to you out of all, out of all the ones uh, that 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 we just talked about? You know, I mean, I, I think the the Ravens losing to the Browns is is sort of a big deal. Um, that's a really yeah. interesting division with the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns. And with the Bengals in last place in that division, but still with a winning record, I mean, I know you said they're on the outside looking in at the moment. Obviously, you're not going to have four playoff teams from that division. Somebody's going to fall off, but it's an interesting, you know, group of, of teams that are just beating up on each other in some ways. So, so that one was surprising um, for sure, given that the Ravens are the other top team in the AFC right now. 
Yeah, so the Ravens are the, the two seed at seven and three because the Chiefs are alone. They're sitting atop the AFC at seven and two right now. Uh, only one conference loss, right? They've only lost to Denver. Um, they, the other loss was to Detroit, the an, an NFC team. Ravens are at seven and three, the two seed right now. The Jaguars are the six and three, three seed, and the Dolphins are the four seed at six and three. But the Browns, who did again just beat the Ravens on Sunday, are six and three at the six seed. And the Steelers are six and three at the five seed right now. Would love for them to creep into the playoffs again. I feel like that's uh, we've seen them a few times, uh, you know, in, in situations where where we we we, we kind of liked that a few years ago. Big Ben, I think it could be a similar game as that. So, although I do think if you know they're about to fall off probably uh, with teams, but how about the Texans at five and four, the seven seed? Um, it's just it, it is amazing how crowded the AFC playoff picture is. And the Chiefs are, are are one game ahead of everybody, and they still have a chance against the Bills coming up, against the Bengals coming up to have that head-to-head. But they've beaten the Jaguars. They've beaten the Dolphins. I mean, that's a big deal. And, yeah. you know, this upcoming game against the Eagles, you know, it's a big game. Uh, you know, it's very important that they win it, obviously, right? But, you know, it is an NFC opponent, so I don't know. They're, they're sitting in a pretty good spot uh, right now. I mean, you'd definitely rather be a Chiefs fan than a Bills fan this week. Uh, Ron's taking way too much pleasure in the Bills blowing that that game. For those of you who are watching this online, you can you can see the joy in Ron's face at the the Bills faltering there. It, it is a it, it was a fun weekend, as much fun as you can have with not watching the Chiefs play because every yes. every single other thing went their way, uh, including you know Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and Argentina. I mean. She's changing lyrics for our guy now. I mean, that is a uh, – for anybody who is questioning whether or not that was a real thing, I feel like it's uh, it's going to another level now. Yeah, that was that, that was a, that was a nice little video. And, and yeah, I, I imagine there's still people that are like, oh, that was staged. Uh, you know, how is there a camera right there to pick to capture it perfectly? And there's multiple angles. Yeah, I know. It is amazing, Sags, how uh, people will still probably do that. But, uh, but shout out, Travis. Shout out you know, uh, th- their relationship, but, you know, now, as, we need as, to talk about that. Is, is there, is there, is this going to be a problem for the chiefs by the way? Yeah, no, I have to ask you because, you know, our, <laughs> our friends at good morning football this, this morning had to ask the question to former chiefs GM. So I have to ask you stags, should the chiefs front office be concerned over Travis Kelsey's mid season extracurricular activities? That's how they're putting it. Stags. <laughs> you know, it's funny that they asked this question to Scott Pioli. He, um, uh... <laughs> Candy rapper fame, you know this is a this is somebody who who tried to rule with this iron fist and and you know obviously it didn't work out so well. Um, you know Andy Reid is was asked about it and he said I'm just happy that he found somebody he likes and she found somebody that she likes. That's a perfect Andy Reid answer to that question. He lets them be themselves, lets them enjoy them, themselves in, the, in their uh, in their free time. And it was the bye week. I mean, come on, what else? Uh, what else should he be doing during the bye week? Well, and I mean, I, I for for those time zone nerds out there that may be worried about that, Argentina South. So I don't think you you, <laughs> you change time zones off uh, very much. You know, hey, it's only a few hours off, maybe. So uh, so shout out Travis being smart. You know, not messing up the sleep schedule, going <laughs> to see his girl. Uh, but but come on, Sags, come on. We 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 are coming off uh, the bye week, and we talked about all the AFC con- contenders losing. <clears throat> I mean. Let's talk about it. We talked kind of last week about the the rest of the season, you know, how, kind of how many wins or losses they could have. But how comfortable are you sitting right now that the Chiefs could get the one seed 
yet again, and that it's the Arrowhead Invitational what, what, uh, yet again. And and uh, Bros Kingdom at Bros Kingdom on Twitter also asked after the bye, what's your take on Casey's chances for the one seed? Are we feeling good? Are we feeling good about it? Yeah, they're, they're sitting in a pretty good spot. Thanks to Kyle Seitz for that question and Bros Kingdom. This is a really a decent position for the Chiefs to be in. Obviously, step one is you win your division, right? That, that's that's what you got to do first. You got to knock that thing out. Chiefs are sitting up two and a half games in the division. Yeah, uh, after the Chargers lost, they're four and five. The Raiders uh, got to win, but they're in their five and five. The Broncos got to win to four and five. So the rest of the division is pretty clumped up behind them. But the Chiefs sitting up two and a half games with with half a season left to go. You got to feel pretty solid about that. Um, and then you know you look at the the regular season schedule for some of the other contenders. And I know you pointed out that Buffalo has got a pretty rough pass yeah. to get back to the playoffs at this point. So some of the those teams that you were worried about or that a lot of people would have been worried about are, are maybe uh, going to have a tougher slate uh, than the Chiefs are going to have going forward. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great point. Uh, you know, Buffalo is looking at, uh, you know, already five losses, right? So they're already a, a two or three games back of the top of the AFC. They still have to play at Philly in Kansas City, against Dallas, at home, at the Chargers, and at the Dolphins. That's a pretty rough slate for a team that pretty much needs to, you know, go undefeated or only have one loss in that stretch. But you're also looking at a team like the Bengals, who have four losses already, looking up at the Ravens, the Browns, the Steelers in the division. They still and – and that this Thursday night game this week is huge, at Baltimore, Cincinnati at Baltimore is going to be a huge game, but – they also play the Jaguars. They also play at Pittsburgh. They also play in Kansas City. They also play against the Browns again. You're talking about that AFC North is going to beat each other up. And so Absolutely. I really think that's that's the key point here is that is that the AFC North is just going to boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and then the Chiefs are going to be just sitting there, sitting pretty. And even Baltimore, the number one contender that the Chiefs are going to have to face, you mentioned Baltimore versus the, uh, Ra- the, sorry, the Ravens-Bengals coming up this Thursday night. Ravens then have the Chargers, the Rams, the Jaguars, the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. Yeah. Like, there's literally, other than the Chargers, you could argue that everybody else the, the Ravens have to play are, are playoff contenders. Yeah. No, the Niners in there is a, is a big thing. You know, they're obviously starting to feel it again once they've gotten Trent Williams and Debo Samuel back. Miami's just going to still be, you know, there playing well. You know, they even have a pretty tough end of their schedule. Obviously, that game against the Ravens, they still have to play Dallas you know, and then the Bills at some point. Um, so this AFC, man, you know, the Chiefs, you know, and when you look at their schedule, I mean, they have games against the lowly Green Bay Packers, you know, on the road is one of their road games. They have a game against the Patriots who look like they're about to implode, you know, uh, you know, they, they, and they, they have, they still have two games against the Raiders left. I mean, when you take all that into account and the fact that they have that margin for error loss wise against the Bills and the Bengals who they have, they still have to play. You know, hey, if they lose one of those games to those teams, it's not like it's going to be uh, it, it. It's projected to. It's not like it's going to look like they're passing them in the standings, right? The Chiefs have two less losses than e- each of those teams. So, mm-hmm. if those are your hardest teams and you have that margin of error to work with in those mm-hmm. games, it's it's a really nice path the second half of the season. Not bad, and and so really going back to last week, uh, we had a question about the, the crystal ball. And and whether or not you know we could pick the rest of the schedule, I think I had us down. I had the Chiefs down for what three more losses, and you had two more. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one of those losses I predicted was to Buffalo, and I'm starting to wonder about that game. Uh, really, maybe swinging back Kansas City's way now. Yeah. Uh, I think the the best chance the Chiefs have to lose the rest of the season is this coming week, and so we got to talk about that Eagles game as the the this podcast goes along. But there's a real good chance, um, I, I think, that the Chiefs probably can get through the rest of the season with maybe two more losses, uh, and, and that would all, all but guarantee that they win the division and probably the number one seed if they can get by with just two more losses. No, you're the, the thing is, I mentioned earlier how this game is an NFC game. You know, it doesn't help or doesn't hurt in their standings if they lose, you know, tiebreaker wise. But if you do get this win and you do come out of, you know, your probably hardest opponent of the year and you only have two losses with the stretch we just talked about, then you're really working with house money. But if you do lose this game, then you have the same record as the Ravens who you, who you can't get a tiebreaker over besides conference record because there's no head to head this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the same record as the Jaguars and Dolphins and Steelers and Browns, even though, you know, you have uh, the tiebreaker over a few of those teams. So, yeah, it's a it's, real it is still a big game. It's absolutely a real opportunity with the, with those teams having lost just this week. It really does open that door. Uh, I feel pretty good about their chances because I think they haven't played their best football yet. They've they've put together a couple of solid all around performances against pretty much some bad teams, but. We haven't seen the offense play its best. Everybody's aware of that. Everybody's talked about it. Uh, everybody is pretty clear that it's fixable and there are things that they can do better. Um, so it, it's got to make you feel pretty good as a Chiefs fan going into the second half of the season. Hopefully they take this bye week and reset, come back out uh, looking strong on offense. And, and maybe they're able to, to really ease in to playoff mode into that that stretch run and, and start to uh, maybe there's some stuff they've been saving some players that they've been saving uh, that we've alluded to uh, we can talk about that uh, as we go along but uh, for now if you're cool with it, let's jump right into the Arrowhead Pride bi-week awards yes uh, there was a great series on arrowheadpride.com for any of you who haven't had a chance to read all those articles uh, make sure you do that we'll try not to spoil all of it uh, with our conversation here but the team got together, the Airhead Pride team got together and voted on a bunch of different categories of awards at the midseason, at the bye week. Uh, and we're going to run down through some of those and just uh, kind of give you uh, some highlights or some takes um, on on some of these categories. Uh, Ron, I'll, I'll let you get us started. Special Teams Player of the Year so far for the AirheadPride.com bye week awards. This was a pretty easy one. Well, yeah, give us credit for uh, giving Harrison Bucker some love. I feel like recently in on a show because he he's going to get the All Pro if he continues this. Um, because Justin Tucker actually heard this stat; he's one for five on fifty-yard field goals this year, uh, fifty-plus-yard field goals this year. Justin Tucker, um, and he's usually the one kind of you know winning the award. And Bucker's yeah. been nails. Um, you know, I you know correct me if I'm wrong; he still hasn't missed a field goal yet. Uh, and I'm going to knock on wood as I say it, but, uh, no, absolutely. So yeah. shout out Harrison Bucker, uh, for a great season so far. Um, but you know, I think he is the most obvious of the awards, although offensive rookie of the year is probably the most obvious, um, because Rasheed Rice is debatably the offensive player of the year, even though he did not win it, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, but he was the offensive rookie of the year stags. Um, but mm-hmm. defensive rookie of the year was interesting. Wasn't it? Who did I, I, who did you vote for out of the two rookies that had the. <laughs> 
the chance because so I'm I'm setting you up. Yeah, I, I was uh, uh, I was being a little salty on this one. So offensive rookie <laughs> of the year, obviously, Rasheed Rice is the guy. Um, he's their number one right wide receiver inexplicably at this point of the season. Uh, nobody would have predicted that, that he was probably the number one guy. And in fact, after the break, we're going to go back and look at our preseason predictions and see how many of these we may have actually uh, uh, predicted prior to the season. But Rasheed Rice obviously has been the man there for the offensive rookies. On the defensive side of the ball, there was a couple candidates, Shamari Connor, Felix uh, Inubike, Uzama. Uh, I voted uh, N.A. because I don't, oh. I haven't seen much from, from any defensive rookies so far this season. There hasn't been a huge impact. Last year's rookie class is carrying this defense in, in so many different ways. Uh, so we've yet to really see Felix deployed. Uh, his snap count has, has diminished, especially with – Charles Omenihu returning. Uh, he may not get much opportunity this season. Uh, Chamari Connor was the winner, uh, but you know there's really not a lot of options here for defensive rookie of the year so far. Yeah, no, there weren't. And you're right. It is a good point that it's because of how well last year's class was playing. There's just not room for some of these guys uh, to contribute. I mean, they had to let go of their sixth round pick, who I'm still a little salty. Keandre Coburn didn't get a chance, a longer chance with the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, cause a lot of people would have, you know, would have predicted he may be a, you know, one of the top contributors right away, but no, give Chamari Connor some love, you know, this, especially this last game against the dolphins, they were using him a lot on first and second down as that slot uh, player to keep McDuffie and Snead on the outside. And what that did was, it was allow him to be a, a nice run defender. He made some, a few plays. So I think honestly, this last week is, is really what allowed him to kind of deserve it a little more uh, than, than he did before. Cause you're right. I mean, there's just not a lot of go- going on with either of these guys so far Ooh. well that leads us nicely into the preview then doesn't it it does yes we all know about the eagles um we played them in the super bowl super bowl 57 which was i thought it was a pretty good game don't you think <laughs> i enjoyed it i enjoyed it. i certainly enjoyed it there's bits of it i enjoyed less but that bit like most of it i enjoyed yeah it was good yeah second half was really good so um yeah, more of the same. I mean, if we if we if the Chiefs win a game like that in Week Eleven, I'd be quite happy. I think it'd be a hell of a game. But both teams, one seed, both coming out of a bye week, both playing in prime time. I mean, this is set up to want to be the be the biggest game of the season. We said that it was going to be the Dolphins versus Chiefs in Frankfurt, but this is mm. clearly going to be the biggest game this season so far. Yeah, it's nice that they're playing it on uh, the same grass this time as well, isn't it? After, <laughs> after the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's really nice for the Chiefs to do that for the Eagles. Um, I don't know how to feel about this game. Like, I feel like it's a game that doesn't really matter. I don't feel like it's going to have any bearings on how the rest of the season go. It's a bit like when the Chiefs played the Bucks in the 2021 season. And... Yeah, um, we destroyed them in Tampa Bay, and then obviously they face each other in the Super Bowl, and roles were reversed. I don't feel like this game's going to have any bearings on how the Super Bowl will play out if these two teams match again. Just like I don't feel like the Super Bowl back in February has any bearings on how this particular game is going to play out on Monday. It's kind of a free hit. It's a game you can afford to lose. If you're either side, to be honest, like I still think both teams have got the inside track to the number one seed. Yes, 
Both teams will want to win. The Chiefs won't want to lose at home in prime time. Yes, the Philadelphia Eagles will want revenge or a form of revenge for the Super Bowl. But at the same time, if but I, both teams perform and one of them happens to lose, I don't feel like they're going to come off the pitch or the field thinking, ah, oh, crap, we, we really should have had that game. Like, we're really disappointed. This is going to like completely derail our season. I just don't feel like this game's particularly important in the grand schemes of things when it comes to playoff seedings, unlike the Dolphins game two weeks ago. That, for me, was far more important. Like you say, it was the biggest game of the season, this one come upcoming. I don't think it is. I do really? still think that I still think the Chiefs-Dolphins game was a much bigger game in terms of what it means for the Chiefs season. This game is just a nice spectacle. It feels like a week one Thursday night game. Do you know what I mean? It feels yeah. like that type of match. Yeah, we can win. Great. We lose. I don't really care as long as we put up a decent fight and we show see some improvement on the offense. I think this probably would have been a bigger game if we lost against the Dolphins. I think there's probably going to be more emphasis on this if we did. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. I think it's 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 very much uh, almost like a an exhibition of or a litmus test basically of how this Chiefs team can fare up against probably one of the best teams in the league so far against the Eagles. Yeah. Um we all saw what the Eagles all line did to the to the Chiefs in the in the Super Bowl. I'm expecting yeah. very much of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the way with with the Chiefs' um, defensive line, and um, I think this is pretty much going to be the same same kind of uh, deal in this game as well. But the good thing about the the Eagles' offense is they're quite balanced. They're very yeah. balanced. I mean, I'm saying quite balanced. They are very balanced, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Because they've got a good rushing game. They've got a great air raid attack as well. Um, they've got stars all over the field. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a real good test for the Chiefs defense. Who, yeah, I mean, a lot of us are all saying now that they're, they're you know, they're probably one of the best defenses we've ever seen the Chiefs have. This is definitely going to be, like I said, the litmus test for this, isn't it? Yeah, yes and no. But we've also had test after test after test this season in that in that regards. Like we faced Justin Jefferson. Guess what? We done. We completely like took him out of a game. We faced the Dolphins. Guess what? We took. Their offense out of the game. Like how many, how how many tests do the Chiefs defense actually need to face before you can just stand up and say, yeah, they are actually really good. Like Trent McDuffie was in an interview with Adam Schefter earlier uh, earlier today, and he he said about uh, how great it was to beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. But at the same time, don't forget that we actually conceded 35 points to the Eagles. So the Eagles yeah. actually had their way with the Chiefs defense in the Super Bowl. Yes, the actual deciding moment of the Super Bowl probably was Nick Bolton's return or fumble for uh, for a touchdown but mostly the Eagles offense pretty much did what they wanted and so it will you're right it will be a big test for this team and they are coming against a receiver who's playing just as well as Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown I think the big thing for this Chiefs defense though and probably the big thing from the game overall is how they handle Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts is playing such good football and like for me, probably the uh, the underlying storyline of this particular game is who's going to win the MVP because if the because currently as it stands, Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are the two favourites for this uh, for the league MVP. I think whoever wins this game on Monday and whoever goes on to and if 
providing both teams go on to be the number one seed in, in their respective conferences, I think the winner of this particular, mat, this particular match will end up deciding the MVP. And I think that's probably the most tangible thing you can get from this particular game because it doesn't... Yes, that's going to lead to hardware, but the result and the way teams play, that's going to have no bearing whatsoever on whatever they meet in, if they meet again in the Super Bowl. So... Of all the storylines of this game, yes, we want to see the Chiefs' defense as real. I don't feel like they need to prove that anymore. But the big one for me is Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes. Who's going to come out on top of that and then bag themselves an MVP award at the end of the year? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the stats here from the uh, from the Eagles, and it's it's quite telling actually. It paints a nice little picture because um, the fifth in sacks this this year, um, which is pretty darn good. The uh, rushing yards against per game, they are the best team against the run um so okay. i mean that's you know that's obviously telling itself where they do let themselves down a little bit is obviously the uh the passing yards passing yards against per game they're 28th mm-hmm. in that um okay. so it's clear that air raid style offense is probably the way to go in this um yeah, they've, lost, and- they've lost some players as well over the offseason they have. yeah Gardner johnson obviously was the, that was the big one in the cornerback room so yeah if the, the Chiefs are going to have a get-right game after two weeks of having these, all these questions about the offense, what's the passing attack's going to look like, who are the receivers? If you have a get-right game. How about having a get-right game against the uh, the other number one seed? So it will be interesting what you say, 28th in passing attack. 28th in the... Right in, defense, yeah. Sorry, passing attack defense. So, yeah. Yards against. There, yeah, there you go, guys. It's kind of on a play. And we all know what Andy Reid's like off a buy as well. So yeah. don't be surprised... If this if this first fifteen script that like the one we saw in Miami against Miami, don't see if that comes out amazing, like amazing as it always does. But then it'd be interesting to see how that transpires into the rest of the game. Can they get themselves off to a hot a hot start and then just carry on? Well, time will tell, I suppose. So I'm losing my voice here. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I I ate before recording. It's always a bad idea to eat before recording. Is it? Yeah, I always get like. You know, as I get older, I get like reflux and stuff. I just, you know what? Getting old. I don't know how we went from the the Chiefs passing attack versus the Eagles passing defense to this conversation, but it sucks. Like, I'm not exactly old, I'm 35, but I feel like I've aged about 40 years in the last five. Like, no one tells you when you turn 30 that it just all goes to it's awful. So you're looking at me like I've had this for 20 years. I was going to say, mate, yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. So what you're saying is now that you can only catch 80% of the passes in the no, NFL. I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm still like, okay, 80% because of my bad finger, right? All right, but, okay. But if I had all five of my digits on my right hand, then I'd still be a 90%. Right. No matter yeah, the age. No, sorry? No, ma- no matter the age. Mate, you don't lose hands. You don't lose hands. Do you want to give any? Do you want to give some context to the listener for this? I, I stand by this. This is a bold claim, and I stand by it. This is Tom saying a few weeks back that um, he couldn't understand why wide receivers dropped the ball because he would catch pretty much everything that was thrown his way in the NFL. I mean, that's a, that's as bold as they, they can get, really. But yeah, so the um, statement was that I have better hands than ninety percent of NFL wide receivers. Yes, and I, I still believe this. Right, I, I still I still believe it. You're not having it, are you? You're, I'm, not having, you're, I'm not having that. I'm not having that at all. Somebody no. like me throwing you the ball, yeah, you could probably catch it. But if you've got somebody whizzing it at like 100, 200 mile an hour right yet, I, I it's think easier. You... It, is, it sticks easier. <laughs> it sticks in easier. 
It's easy. The the, the, the the lofted passes, the ones that go up, the lofted, the dollies, they're the harder ones because you've got longer to think about. You've got to concentrate a little bit more. You fire it in there, bam, great hand positioning, job done. Caught the ball. They might take that dodgy finger off yours as well. Yeah, but yeah, obviously with the dodgy finger now, I can't, <laughs> that that decreases massively. But three or four years ago, before my my pinky on my right hand decided to start turning in on itself, <laughs> then yeah, I would have absolutely had better hands than most NFL. So we'll take two percent off of the pinky. So that's what eighty eight percent. Yeah, it gets we'll in the way we'll, now. We we'll do that. It, yeah. it does get in the way now. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> we're side we're sidetracking again, mate. We're gonna get fired at this rate. Really? But, <laughs> really? Really? I, I actually had someone come up to me in Germany and say, oh, I'm a ma- big fan, which, by the way, was weird. Thank you. But for someone to come up to me and say a big fan, I've never had that in my life. Loved it, but also a bit weird. I um, remember you saying, you really, you really listened to that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and someone said to me, I just love... I, I love your two chemistry. I love that you just go off and talk about stuff that just comes into your head. And I'm like, yeah, but that's us. <laughs> that's what we do. You talking into the mirror again, Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for the compliment, Mum. <laughs> well, so uh, to, uh, to obviously round off this uh, this preview of the Eagles. Um, this extensive, high-quality <laughs> preview of the Eagles. <laughs> You all saw what happened in the Super Bowl. Just go and watch that. You sorted. Predictions, mate. What we're going with? I think the Chiefs are going to lose this game. Really? Yeah, I do. I don't don't care. I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to play well, but I think they're going to lose. Um, I do like the Eagles. I like AJ Brown. I like Jalen Hurts. I do think Jalen Hurts is going to win the league MVP this year. Yeah. I think the Eagles will probably win like, I don't know, 28, 27. Like, real close game. Really? A classic. And you'll get someone say, oh, well, don't be surprised we'll see these two teams again in February, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, the, I think the Eagles will get their revenge. doesn't really mean anything because we won the ring. So yeah, the Eagles will win 28-27. Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey will hug on the hug in the middle of the field. Everyone will be happy, hunky-dory, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, as I said, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really affect the Chiefs season too much. I think... The Chiefs are going to air it out. They're coming off a bye week. They're going to scheme Rashi Rice a lot more. Um, going to get him involved a lot more. And I think this Eagles defense is not going to be able to handle him. And I'm going with a Chiefs 31, Eagles 21. Confident win for me. I'll take it. Every attack like the old days. The old Patrick Mahomes is back. We we win on we win on Monday. We're a shoe in for the number one seed. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. 
That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I'm sure a lot of superstitious fans born out of the success they've been having recently. It looks like they're going to have more success going forward coming out of this bye week. We know Andy Reid's record after the bye week. We talked about that on episode 63. Um, but Andy Reid talked for the first time since the post-game Frankfurt. He talked on Monday via Zoom, as he usually does, and kind of caught us up on what the bye week was like getting back into the building and what the goals are for the second half of the season. But I think, Matt, that there's plenty of things we can work on. And, you know, it's it's all great what the record is and that. But, you know, the, the main thing that we focus, we don't care about that. We care about uh, improving in all three phases. And there's there's room to do that. Um, and Fraser does a great job with keeping us abreast during the – after every game. And then um, – uh, and then you you do you have a little bit more time to kind of uh, work on some things and look through them maybe a little at a little slower pace but um, but I would tell you yes there there's things that we 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 can get better at classic Eric Bieniemy right like there's always work to be done football is like farming there's always work to be done you're never done with the work you're always chopping wood. Andy Reid is not sitting on his laurels because Kansas City is atop the AFC. Like, he knows that the offense is not playing their full potential. We heard the the murmurs from Peter King about this meeting between Andy Reid and Matt Nagy after the Frankfurt game. So we know at the very least there's been discussions since, since the game about what needs to be done to be fixed. And, and the kingdom's aware of that. I, I think all three phases is the interesting part because for me, Kansas City's defense has given you everything they got. I mean, hell, they won you a couple of these games here. Like, yeah, I see there's a little room to grow, but as long as they keep playing the way they have in my eyes, uh, they could drag this team to another Lombardi trophy. Yeah, 100%. And even the special teams, I mean, besides maybe the punt return team, <laughs> uh, you know, catching punts within the 10-yard line and fumbling, that's not cool. But how about Harrison Bucker? You know, we don't talk about him when he's doing good. He's been the best kicker in football this year, Aaron. He's been perfect. I don't think he's missed anything. I think he's 18 for 18. I was looking up the stats earlier, yeah. Yeah, and he hasn't – and he's made all his extra points, I believe, as well. So, I mean, he's been spotless. So that was that's a welcome sign. The coverage team has been really good. Punt and kick, kick, kick coverage team has been well. And you talk about the defense. So for me, it's mainly just this offense, you know, being consistent and actually putting points on the board. Because you look at yards, they're actually near the top in yards. You know, they drive the ball for the most part. But it's been that red zone offense that has been sputtering. The play calling and situations. Obviously, we know about the third and shorts, right? The fourth and shorts. And you're going against a team this week who is probably the best in the league when it comes to third and shorts and fourth and shorts because all they're going to do is do that tush push, which is unstoppable. I mean, I haven't seen nobody stop it ever. So, yeah, it, those, it's interesting to see the two different contrasts in the matchups there when we talk about short yardage situations. But, yeah, man, after a bye, we know Andy Reid's record. We talked about it last week. Probably the best coach maybe ever after a bye, if you look at the win percentage. So I do expect him, Nagy, they've been in the room. They've been 
doing some self-assessments, the midway point, you know, being very honest. I'm sure it's been some really tough conversations. So I do expect them to come out and have a good showing this week. Well, they don't have to be tough conversations. What conversations do you think we're having? We could just recklessly speculate here. I mean, we are making content. This is a podcast for a Chiefs yeah. blog. What are the tough conversations that you think were had? I, I think Peter King said it was a 17-minute conversation between the Chiefs and uh, – between not the Chiefs, excuse me, between Andy Reid, Chiefs head coach, and offensive coordinator Matt Nagy. Obviously, the offense hasn't looked itself. What was it? Nine points in Denver, zero touchdowns, and then the 14 points just in the first half alone, shut out in the second half against the Dolphins. What is the conversation that had to be had for Kansas City when we talk about self-scouting and looking in the mirror offensively? Well, for me, it's three things that stand out. And one of them I just mentioned, and that is the short yardage play calling. Uh, I think, you know, at times they get really, really cute when you have Pacheco back there. You have probably the best interior offensive line in the league, and you refuse to just do the simple play and use it. Uh, during those situations. So I, I think that's part of it. Yeah. I think another part of it is Kadarius Tony. That's a tough conversation you have to have. I know Andy talked about him. You know, they're trying to get him through the season healthy, and I get all of that. But he could be a difference maker. I, I think he's your most explosive receiver. Maybe him or Rice, you can argue. But I think when he has the balls in his hands, he can You're crazy. <laughs> you are wild. <laughs> when he has the football in his hands, Kadarius Tony tends to make plays. Uh, I think he's very physical. He's explosive. He's fast. He dances a lot. But I do think he's a guy that could unlock some things when it comes to this offense. But they're not even giving him the opportunity. He's not even running real football receiver routes <laughs> yo, the first comment yo that was nuts sir you gotta clip you gotta, you gotta clip that one, <laughs> you gotta clip that one. yo so we're speaking of the bye week here on chiefs coast to coast <laughs> episode 64 mark gunnels aaron ladd steven serta behind the board you talking about Kadarius tony and let's shuffle some things around on the show sheet and just get right into it let's get you on wax we're going into the second half of the season for Kansas City. We saw what they gave us in the first half. I got a couple numbers here. KC is 7-2 and two entering the next half of their schedule. And I want to get your overs and unders. I'll give you some numbers for the first half. You'll predict if they're going to be over the number or under. Very simple here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. But these are on wax. We're making sure we mark these down. Geo on YouTube said that was wild. <laughs> <laughs> Kadarius Tony in the first half. Obviously, the first game happened. That was a disaster. He has 127 total receiving yards in the first half. Mark Gunnels, will he go over or under 250 receiving yards in the second half of the regular season? Well, considering there's one less game, because they've already played nine games. So that means you have what? Eight left. Correct. Yes, that would be how math yeah. works. Yeah, you know, sometimes you know. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't go to Missoula. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to go under, right? 
I mean, I have to, and I, I don't want to. Like, it shouldn't be under, but just based on what we were just talking about, I'm not sure if they're going to really use them. So the, the the capability should be definitely over, but I just, I'm worried about usage. So I got to go under. You mentioned usage and you mentioned Andy Reid. So let's hear from the Chiefs head coach. Asked about Kadarius Tony's usage, usage so far because really hasn't been very active. I think it was only seven snaps in the Germany game. Here's Andy Reid on Kadarius Tony in the second half. Um, we'll just keep keep coming with him. You know, he's. I just want to remind remind everybody that he did have the knee surgery, so we're we're taking it we're taking it easy with him. Uh, up to this point and um and so just making sure he's he can make it through the year and uh in good health i'm going under as well and i think that's the smart play because Kadarius tony i mean for for so long we were questioning could he play would he be available to play <laughs> now he's available to play i don't know if he has the confidence and i don't know if the opportunity is there like i think a lot of it was timing like when the Chiefs got Kadarius Tony, he could have he factored into the mix immediately and showed us what he could do. But by the time he was healthy again to show us those things, with more faces in the room, they traded for McCole Harbin. Rasheed Rice has emerged. Travis Kelsey came back in the mix. I think Kadarius, and now he's not even on the punt return, uh, which was where we saw him make the most impact in that Super Bowl game. Speaking of that, your boy C Dot goes to X and says Kadarius Tony's Super Bowl punt return is incre- incredibly overvalued let me read that again i stumbled over my words Kadarius tony's super bowl punt return is incredibly overvalued i disagree with that because i see and we'll i'll toss it back to you on this no matter what he gives you i think the trade mate was worth it because that play essentially turned the tide of that super bowl it gave you a goal to go yardage situation off a of special teams play that's, that's essentially a touchdown off of a special teams play like you're undervaluing in that situation. You're undervaluing the value of a Super Bowl win, but I don't know. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? And maybe Kadarius Tony second half. Yeah, I totally disagree with C dot on that. There we go. That was overvalued. I mean, that was probably <laughs> the most important play of the game. You could argue it, it really swung the momentum there. And I mean, you didn't give up much to get him. It's not like you. You traded the house to get Kadarius Tony, and he's super cheap. So, what was the trade, sir? Can you? What was it like? A four, was it a fifth? Yeah, it was. It was like a middle round pick. It wasn't nothing crazy for sure. So, I mean, I think, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was a comp third. Okay, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I, I I think that's fine. <laughs> that you. But I mean, uh, okay, I'll push back a little bit though. 127 yards was that the stat I gave? 127 yeah. total receiving yards. Yeah in the first half like that that's that's a bust that that is not i mean got we were talking into this year service to a comp third and a sixth you, you're coming into this year we we recorded podcasts and you told me Kadarius tony was going to be the wide receiver one and, and confidently i think andy reed even said that at one point no actually uh, I, said, I said sky Moore. actually <laughs> <laughs> i mean somebody has to be it i mean <laughs> You just made it worse. <laughs> I mean, did I? I mean, did you? Yes. He has more yards than Kadarius Tony, though. But who will have more yards in the second half? Sky Moore. 
Yeah, Scott Moore. For sure. There was a I, I didn't see who who put it out, and so I excuse me for talking on this without crediting who it was, but Andy Reid's still very invested in Sky Moore. He he like still. I mean, they they're not punting on Sky Moore, and I don't think that you can as well because you got him. I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, you can have him up to five years on a rookie contract. All things considered, like why would you give up? this early like especially you could just say it hasn't worked yet like like let's keep tinkering let's keep trying like that could be part of the self-scouting thing i know we kind of got off the rails here but we're both going under on Kadarius tony yeah and then over over on sky more over Kadarius tony second half yeah I, i don't see how you can't considering what andy said about both the guys he just basically told you that we're slow playing Kadarius tony throughout the year so he can get through the year healthy to the playoffs. And he just talked about how he's still very bullish on Sky Moore. So just taking those two quotes, you have to take Sky Moore. How about we're moving on, on wax, our second half predictions over under uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs as the regular season rolls on after the bye week. 103, I'll round it up. 104 rushing yards per game for Kansas City in the first half. Jarek McKinnon was mostly a decoy. Clyde Edwards-Alaire didn't even make the trip to Frankfurt. It seems like it's Isaiah Pacheco's unit to lose, but I wonder if he's going to be a guy that you can count on on all three downs. He seems like somebody that gets nicked up here and there and needs somebody else to at least get like eight or nine good carries in between those to kind of um, I don't want to say water it down, but kind of give him a little break. I mean, give him, give him, a, give him some breathing room. 104 rushing yards per game. Do you think over under in the second half for Kansas City's running back room, Mark Gunnels? I'm gonna say over here. I'm gonna say over. I think considering the weather changing, uh, Thanksgiving's next week, Aaron. I don't know if you're aware or not. I know we're doing a pod on Thanksgiving Eve. <laughs> So I think as the weather changes here, obviously it's pretty cold in Kansas City in the winter. I I think you rely a little bit more on the running game, and I think you establish your identity uh, and that we're still a physical football team. Like we mentioned earlier, the lack of running the ball on third and short, being cute on those situations, I don't think you're going to see that much in the second half of the season heading to the playoffs. So, yeah, I I feel pretty comfortable going over on this one. What'd you know about the cold in Kansas City in the winter? Uh, only just 25 years of it. You ain't you ain't never been to Kansas City in the winter time. This guy <laughs> I stamped your passport anytime recently. This guy's crazy, uh, Mister Georgia boy. <laughs> um, I like to go under here. I think. Look, I don't know who they haven't shown us a propensity to run Jarek McKinnon really at all. But don't you think now in the second half, kind of what they did last year? Kind of save him for this time of the year. But all of his touchdowns were on re- were on receptions. He well, still, but he was still getting some carries though. They essentially have a running back and a half right now, and it, this bet to me is basically: Do you have Isaiah Pacheco averaging a hundred yards a game on the ground for the rest of the season? And I'd say no because there's no way. I mean, they don't show they don't show us a propensity to consistently run the ball enough. Like, if, I don't know, like. I'll take the under closely. I can see him getting 100 all-purpose yards, but 100 yards per game on the ground, I, I don't know. I'll take the under there. How about some quicker ones as we go here and try and go on wax uh, on Chiefs coast-to-coast? 
points per game in the first half, 23 per game. I'm going over easy. They're, the offense sputtered, and it's crazy when you throw in that Chicago game that this number is in there, but the Denver games, it, I, I'm going over. I think they score a lot of points on Monday night as well. Over 23 points a game for the second half of the regular season for me. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I, I think this is probably the easiest one you gave so far. I mean, we saw the offense at its lowest, considering the standard. I mean, there was still a top 12 offense in the league. I know that may sound crazy to a lot of people, but it still was top 12 uh, based on any metric you look at. But as far as the standard for the Chiefs in the Patrick Mahomes era, it's been very um, mid, as Aaron and the kids would say. Um, so I, I think you got to go over here. Uh, this team is going to start clicking. You would imagine once you start getting this playoff push and, you know, they're pushing for the one seed right now, they have the clear path for that. And we talked, we'll talk about, it, I'm sure here soon, but everything that could go right went right this past weekend for the chiefs, not even playing a game. We will get to that. Only 22 touchdowns for Kansas city in the first half. I thought that was an interesting number. Definitely think we see more for Mahomes and company. And I also want to see more fourth down attempts. I want to go over on this number. The Chiefs were three of seven on fourth down in the first half. I think both of those numbers go up in the second half. I don't know. I, I just want Mahomes to have the ball. When the Chiefs have the ball on all, like, don't obviously they're not going to do the fake punt or fake field goal thing that they tried in the first. Like, I think Andy has learned his lesson from that and understands, like, I'm good. I'm going to try and give 15 those opportunities going forward. But if the Chiefs need to dream up their own tush push, brotherly shove, if they need to do Blake Bell in that position, if they need to figure out where you hand it under the dude who passed it to the guy behind him, did you see that play in college? Yeah. Like let, let let's let the offense get four chances at ten yards instead of three chances at ten yards. Like I, I just think KC would be more successful offensively if they did that. You know what's funny about that on the Manning cast on Monday night when the Broncos had the ball, it was like a fourth and two or something like that. And yeah. they kicked the field goal, and Mahomes was like, "Go for it! What are they doing?" Like he was like he was doing the thing. <laughs> The fingers, you know, you know how you be doing the like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did that a couple times actually on the on the pro, on the broadcast when it was a fourth and short and the teams didn't go for it. So it was just kind of cool to see that him at his house, like still advocating for teams to go for it. So you know when it's him, and we see it, you know. But just imagine like the mic'd up version, like he's probably livid when they don't go for it in those situations. So. Yeah, I think um, I think they go for it. Probably you might see it a couple times on Monday night, Aaron. All right, here we go. Uh, when the Chiefs uh, have the ball, we do this every week. And fellas, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to lie to you. I've I've watched the Eagles. I've even done what I don't like to do, and I've looked at numbers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take that one. I'd usually like to lift that to you guys. I'm a more of a. Uh, I'm a, I'm a more of a. Uh, Gutalytics, uh, fella, Ronalytics, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I go from the gut, baby. I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm the manager that gets the feel of, all right, man. I, I just feel, I just feel like Ryan Matson has this guy. That's me. Uh, I, I go with the gut, I don't look at the analytics as, as much, but I looked at the numbers and, and I've, and I've watched the Eagles. Listen, I know the, the, the real 
thing this season that we've discussed multiple times. The British fellas discuss. Pete Sweeney discuss. Uh, 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 Mark and and uh, and my man uh, Aaron, my man on coast to coast. Aaron, what they discuss, what everybody is discussing around the Chiefs is this uh, this passing game. It's just dead. There is no big play. They don't they don't rack up anything. It's just hard. They don't the passing game. The receivers. It's down. If they can't score. And if they can't have some of the best productivity that they have had in the passing game in this game, then really, I think you said it earlier, BK, there's a there's a problem. At this point, now they're going to have to just figure this thing out and, and, and Isaiah cross your fingers and just hope stuff happens. Because at in, in, in every turn, like this, if you can block them, up front, and I'm not going to say that's an easy thing, but I believe that the Chiefs' offensive line, in 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 connection with Pat, can can be able to get this. If you can get them blocked up front, and that is a tall task with the with the fellas they have up there. I mean, these guys stink on the back. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's no other. And they weren't good last year, but it is. It's, I mean, take your pick. Who you want? Sam Howell can't wait to get to this secondary. He is just absolutely, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people think that that Andy's actually calling the plays for Eric and Washington in these games anyway, but he can't wait to get to him. It doesn't matter. I mean, every, I mean, Dak is having career games every time he plays the Eagles. And it's not just anybody can pass on him. It's just any of everybody's best players. Play well. C.D. Lamb goes for almost 200. Justin Jefferson, hell, all right. You think, all right, well, we're going to really double up Justin. No, Jack, he went off. I believe it was Cooper Cup's first game back. He went off. I mean, Terry McLaren, you have a game. It's not even, So I don't even – I won't accept the excuse that we can't get Travis Kelsey the ball. Everybody gets it. This Eagles defense, they not only give up a bunch of yards, they specialize in allowing your best player – to get off the list of players this year ron that have gone for at least 100 yards or had at least 70 and a touchdown justin jefferson tj hawkinson cooper cup puka nakua tyree kill cd lamb jake ferguson like those aren't all stars most of those guys are really really good but if you're a star against this team you go off if you're pretty good you're probably going off as well and I didn't know Puka. Guys, I didn't know Puka got off in the same game that that Cooper Cup got off. He went off. It was seven for seventy-five and a touchdown in that game. Like a good game for him as well. If if you have a competent offense, and I'm saying competent, it doesn't even have to be great against this Eagles defense. You will throw for good numbers. I don't know if the Chiefs have a competent offense right now, and I really hope that they do. They need to by the time that we get to the end of the regular season, and so. This is a really excellent test, and it's good timing for them to have this kind of a test as well because they should have self-scouted going out of the bye week. Like They should now know, okay, what do we do well? What do we stink at? Let's stop doing the stuff that we're really bad at. Let's focus primarily on the stuff that we're really good at. What they have done well so far this year is the two tight end sets. Like I think Noah Gray is having a, a decent season. What they don't do well this year is throw to anyone basically other than Rasheed Rice or Travis Kelsey in terms of your passing game. So throw to those guys a lot. Include Jarek McKinnon in the second half of the season in the passing game the way that you did at this point 
last year. Those are the kinds of things that I would like to see more of. Like at this point, man, would you be upset if we saw 10 targets every single week for Rasheed Rice? Because I wouldn't be. I think that's probably oh. where he should be. That'd be he amazing. should be your second leading target get- getter. 316 to Mac Jones. And touchdowns. I just wanted I just wanted to express that. I know they they, they were able it's... to hold Tyreek down from for 11 catches and 88 yards and a touchdown. They were able to hold Garrett Wilson down to eight catches for 90 yards. But the efficiency is there, man. <laughs> All of these guys are catching it like 70% of the time. <laughs> And they're racking up at least 10 yards a catch. Like it's eight. the efficiency is all there for you if you're, if eight, you're willing to take it. Eight for 90 with Zach Wilson. I mean, that's 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 like 200 yards. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I mean, I just like, I like that's what I'm saying. In either vein, the receivers, they should, you know what this game should feel like to me? This is my expectation. It should feel like the Charger game. The, to me, very similar. If you can block, if you and it's if you can block Khalil, you can block Bosa, you can block them guys up top. You can have a field day. Mm-hmm. You can have a field day dropping back. You can have a field day uh, on off script plays. You can have it. And in that game, I mean, I believe the Chiefs. I know Pat threw for four twenty something. Kelsey had an an enormous game. MVS had a big game. I'm pretty sure Rasheed Rice had a nice game. He caught a touchdown. He threw four touchdown passes. And that game, this it should it, to me. That's what the game should feel like, and should be like that Charger game where they had had an explosive offense in terms of passing the football because that's that's what they are. The Chargers can get after the passer, but if you block them, hold on to your hat because that's when the game starts, and that's what that's what happens to this team. It's that Eagles defensive line is much much better. Um, but that 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 is exactly it. Like they at the trade deadline, they went out and traded for Kevin Byard because their secondary was so bad. And they were like, hopefully 31 year old Kevin Byard's got something left in the tank and can give us a little bit more coverage deep in the secondary. And he stepped right in, but still probably figuring things out like I, I was talking to Brandon Lee out in the managing editor of Bleeding Green Nation. I encourage you guys to go check that out on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. Um but I, I was just talking to him about the Eagles secondary and what the issues are because like they're paying Darius Slay a lot of money. They're paying James Radbury a lot of money and they trade for Kevin Byard. And it's kind of all of the other moving parts. Like he said that Bradbury has not been as good this season as he was last year. Slay is still really good, but everybody else is a huge question mark in the secondary. And it's like, so you can put Slay wherever you want to put him and try to shut down whoever you want to shut down. But everybody else puts up numbers against every every other part of this secondary, and that's been the biggest thing holding the Eagles back this season. It's, it's their biggest question mark easily. The other thing, and we saw this last year, Ron, and it's what we talked about going into that Super Bowl matchup against the Eagles, is this is not a team that runs a particularly complex defensive system. Like They're, they're not out there running what Spags is going to do. They're going to basically run the same stuff, and they're going to say, our guys are better than your guys. Can you win? And for most of the season, the guys that are pretty good at football – have beat their guys because they're just better than what they have defensively right now. They've got name recognition. Like a lot of the people in our audience right now probably recognize the names for Darius Slayton or James Bradbury or Kevin Byard. The problem is those guys, as Serta just mentioned, aren't having the same kind of season as they did a year ago. They also stink, stink at the second level. You've seen Zach Cunningham play football up close and in person, Ron. The guy is just not very good. And He's really good in the run. And that again, coverage, in, in coverage, coverage his thing. Oh, <laughs> boy. 
they have nobody at the second level that can cover anybody. So if you can find a way to exploit their linebackers and coverage, looking at you, Travis Kelsey, looking at you, Jarek McKinnon, that that is another way that you can have an absolute field day against these guys. Yeah, I just like to me, it, to me, we've watched the last two weeks and there have been a major concerted effort to just take Travis out of the game. I'm just I will be highly I'm not even going I ain't going to say disappointed. I'll be highly pissed if this Chiefs game is the first team that the Philadelphia Eagles are successfully able to take out another team's <laughs> best player. So that was that was something else I I asked about um, because I was because you know Slay has been a a shadow guy occasionally, not all the time, but they do deploy in that way sometimes. And BLG was like, "Yeah, they just didn't do it against CD Lamb, even though the Cowboys were just putting CD Lamb predominantly in the slot, and CD Lamb absolutely torched them. And it wasn't until the second half of that game where they started putting Slay on him in the slot a little bit. So like." I think the, the smart thing to do would be like Darius Slay is going to shadow Travis Kelsey the entire game. And I'm not sure that's a, what the Eagles are actually going to do because I don't think that's the way they like to deploy their personnel. I think it's like what BK said. They want to run out there, run it the way that they want to run it and challenge you to and challenge you to beat them that way. And I think that's their game plan every single week. I, and I and I wonder, I, I don't know if you all will disagree with me. I feel like Serta will. Um, disagree with me on this is I, I I do think they I don't think they need to to get a, completely get away from the run game. Oh, like I got I, I I think I, I still think they need to mix that. In. I, I know that their defensive line that's a strength of theirs. I'm not run defense is elite. Listen, I'm not I'm not even, but I still think you got to mix because I I the one chance they have is the pass rush, and if Hassan Reddick and Sweat. And Carter, who's a beast in there too. If they if they just know you're just they're not worried about the run at all. I still I still think you've got to find ways to kind of slow their pass rush up with the run game because if they can just run it decently, the Chiefs in this game. Now you're now you're now they got to at least think about it, and you're yeah. slowing it down and slowing down their pass rush because I mean it's just it's it's just going to be it should be just open season. Yeah, on I mean. Them. It, nobody's run it well against them though. Like nobody. And uh, you can do it. Like the Chiefs should finish this game with probably like 15 rush attempts. So you don't just completely avoid it entirely, but I don't think the game plan going in should be like, Hey, we need to establish the run in any way, shape or form. This is a team that has allowed the fewest rushing yards in the NFL so far this year. They've allowed less than 600 yards on the ground. And they face the fewest rushing attempts for a reason because nobody runs against them. 3.7 yards per carry. Like you're just, you cannot get things going on the ground against this team. Nobody has so far this year. I would not expect the Chiefs to be able to do so. If you want to do it as a change of pace, sure. I'm totally fine with that. I I don't, yeah, I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to. I want the Chiefs to just do, do, Uh, I just want them to not just screw it. Do what they do. Like like to me, the closest thing to the Chiefs, the, the, the commanders, like it, Brian Robinson, ten rushes for sixty yards, six six yards a carry. Yeah, like I, that, that's what I'm talking about. Gibson two carries, also with that seven yards a carry. Like that's what I'm. Yeah, they have fifteen like carries that, in the game. That's fine. That it's, keeps that keeps them, and then you know that keeps them at bay at at some piece. I'm not saying to run to run it twenty five times. Yeah, now, if they're able to do that, I would burst through the seams. But I'm just I'm I'm not saying that. But I think they've got to just. 
this can't be one of those games where Andy just against the, like he did against the different Broncos that just sit uh, up it. Like I'm under, I'm under eight carries. Well, and, and I'd like to see them kind of deploy the screen game uh, a little bit and, and try to utilize that to ki- kind of counteract some of the, some of the Eagles toughness that against too. the run, because it's, it's just Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, like they're still mixing in Fletcher Cox. <laughs> like, like, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, like you could argue one of the uh, bigger weaknesses along the defensive line this year was is whoever else is on the interior next to Chris Jones. And they're trotting those three guys out there. It's absurd. And by the way, the Chiefs are not a good run blocking unit. Like I I, I think the Chiefs are just flat out bad on the offensive line when it comes to run blocking as well. So I I I I would not expect much out of your running game going into this one. If you get like a couple of big carries, that's probably a good win for you. Speaking of that offensive line, Ron, one of the other things coming out of the bye week that I'm really curious about is what does that line look like as a pass blocking unit? I thought they were terrible in the last couple of games against both the Broncos and the uh, the Dolphins. This is a unit that'll get after you, man. This this Eagles defensive line, yeah, they lost some talent from a year ago. They are still really, really good. They're top five in the league in sacks. They're second in the league in the pressure so far this season they will get after Patrick Mahomes. And if this offensive line isn't careful, especially coming off of the edge, uh, this is a defensive line that'll give Mahomes some, some issues. Well, I fully, I'm fully preparing myself, and I think everybody else should. I'm fully fully preparing myself for at least two Jawan Taylor uh, procedure penalties. He's going to – oh, they kind I'm just trying time. Stopped, they kind of stopped calling him, and then as soon as they stopped calling him, everybody stopped talking about it. So we just I'm don't just, bring it up anymore. I'm just saying he's going to get himself loaded up for Hassan Reddick, who lines up really, really wide, and he is going to, he's going to try to get an advantage. Like I'm just saying – I prepared myself for two. I've, I've, if they I've, call that against him, then he they better call it against Lane Johnson because Lane Johnson is sure. even, a, okay. even a worse just, defender in this game. I'm just saying, I'm just I'm 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 preparing myself for that that nine technique where he lines all the way out to the edge like that. Yeah, he's he's going, Jawan going to get his he's going to try to get his little extra uh, out there. So I'm prepared for that. I, I, this is always one of my favorite things is the bye week and to see what what it is. And we always will say new wrinkle. But I don't even know if it's new wrinkle as much as it is something that they're going to like they feel like they see and they say, all right, this is something that we're either going to do more of. This is something we're going to sometimes it's a new wrinkle, but like sometimes it is. This is something we're going to stop doing. This is something that we're going to do more of. This is something new. I am curious to see whatever it is, the 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 decision they've made. In the bye week, after having two weeks to sit down, I'm just really intrigued to see what thing it is that they have identified in the bye week for this offense. Because that's the hell I, I I need. They need to figure out something. I feel like the McKinnon thing is going to be a big part of it. Like Serta mentioned, the screens. I, I think a, a few screens in this one to McKinnon would go a long way. Um, I think identifying that Rishi Rice is very clearly their best wide receiver and he should be playing and being targeted accordingly. That That's probably something uh, that they'll come down with. And then I think a big part of it is just instilling more trust with Mahomes and the offense, finding out Mahomes, what are you comfortable with? Like what, what is the stuff that you're comfortable with that we've been calling so far this year? Because I think a big part of their problems have been 
He just doesn't trust anything. He doesn't trust the offensive line right now. He doesn't trust the wide receivers. He doesn't trust that he's on time. He doesn't seem to trust his arm at times to fit it into the tight holes. It's it's just been a little bit off in every possible way. So I think that's going to be maybe the biggest adjustment that they can make is just making sure that he's comfortable with what they're running. They're going to do something, Serta. I, I love to do this to try to guess what it is. I do think the run game is going to be something that they may – look at leaning on more maybe not this game maybe so maybe is this game because that would surprise them but I think the run game is something that they may try to pick up but I try to guess things I may be dead wrong on this I wonder if we see more Noah Gray I wonder if we see more two tight end things too there was just some action I know like one big play in that first drive was taking advantage of Noah Gray and Travis being out there at the same time, and Travis runs his route a little shorter, and Noah Gray is a little deeper, and they get some separation, they get some play there. If tight ends, I just like I wonder if we'll see more two tight end sets using both of those guys, which can help in the run game too. I, I, I wonder if Noah Gray is an answer, as you said, McKinnon. I think that's a good one. That was something they did in the second half last year. I, I just I I am I cannot wait to see what it is because I'm I'm not confident it is going to be something like Kadarius Tony or Hardman or anything like that. It's it, it is uh, I think a really good point because the Chiefs had a ton of success last year out of twelve personnel and out of out of putting a lot of tight ends on the field and they haven't done it as much this season. I think some of that is still trying to figure out what the hell they got in these wide receivers. So they're just like putting bodies out there and trying to see who can make plays. But I think there's also something too that like, they know how good they are at that. They were so successful at it last season. So they're kind of waiting to deploy that for this back half of the season run. No, I just, I'm I'm thinking Noah, he gets the touchdown pass against the jets. Like there have been, they've created some big plays and it. And it does seem like they've like backed off of doing that. I wonder if, you, we've said it, man. We're gonna turn these jokers into the Patriots. We've said it like they're the the different moves that the different things that the Patriots did to attack teams. And I'm just I'm just curious to see what it is because I I don't necessarily believe it is going to be the receivers. And to your point, Ron, on on Noah Gray, like last year, one of the things that they did was they went more twelve and thirteen personnel, where they brought in two and three tight ends. Like it was Gray, it was Travis, and then they would bring in. Jody Fortson as well. And that's something that this year just has not worked because they have they don't have that third guy. They don't have the Blake Bell is not Jody Fortson when it comes to what he's capable of doing at this point in his career in the passing game. I'm pretty so, much over Blake Bell. Me too, buddy. Um, I, I would like to see them get Noah Gray more snaps, get him more involved in the offense. I think it's kind of been trending that way, and I would I would see it going that way as well moving forward. And a big part of why is just it gets those receivers off of the field, man. Like you just don't have to play as many of the receivers as many snaps. And those guys are, are basically wasting those opportunities right now because they're not, they're not instilling any confidence in Mahomes. They're not running high level routes. So go ahead and get a guy out there that at least Mahomes can trust that he'll be in the right place at the right time.